Animal Fire Radio. This episode's brought to you by Notorious Fire Company. Firefighter owned and operated Notorious Fire Company manufactures and creates quirky and unique items for the fire service. Whether it's your stainless steel water bottles, tumblers, four-in-one koozies, you can decorate your emotional support water bottle with more than 100 different designs they offer so very much. From apparel to swag to stickers, they got you covered. Check them out at NotoriousFire.com. That's N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S, NotoriousFire.com. And check them out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NotoriousFire. And this month with the podcast, if you use coupon code Fire Radio June 2023, that is Fire Radio June 2023, you'll get free shipping on all orders within the U.S. So check them out, NotoriousFire.com. Lenny and the crew, they're making great stuff. And I have to tell you, with the summer upon us, the sticker packs are out of control. You got everything from Star Wars to pinups and everything in between. Slap them on your beer fridges, your coolers, and your tumblers and celebrate the summer in style with Notorious Fire. A good supporter and longtime friend. We're happy to have him on the podcast with us. Check him out, NotoriousFire.com and coupon code FIREADIOJUNE2023 for free shipping all across the U.S. This episode is brought to you by Box Alarm Grills. When your apparatus arrives on scene, are you making the best showing? Looking to set your rig apart from everyone else? Want your engine, truck, or rescue to be easily identifiable? There is a solution. With large aluminum grill numbers and full-width rear mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills. Formed by Danny and a team of fellow firefighters, Box Alarm Grills gets it. They know what it means to show pride in your ride, delivering the quality construction and design that fire departments demand. That's why their grill numbers and mud flaps grab attention, enhance visibility, and make your fleet recognizable on scene while responding or just driving around town. Built in the USA by a family-owned business, Box Alarm Grills is quickly becoming the choice of fire companies, apparatus planners, and fire truck manufacturers with out-of-the-box or custom solutions. Check out functional, durable grill numbers and mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills today at BoxAlarmGrills.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And like Danny and his crew like to say, add pride to your ride. Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio finally back with a new episode. It has been a week or two, a lot of travel. I was at a conference down in Texas, the Gone to Texas Fire Forum. <coughs> Excuse me. It was a good week. Uh, a lot of craziness on the training side, the educational side, and the brotherhood and camaraderie. Obviously, the fellowship was on point down in Texas. But today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. This is a guy that I met. Several years ago on a on a stop through Westville, New Jersey, and I've gotten to know these guys. I stop in there regularly when I'm down in that area. I've gotten to know Chief Eric Farley, and I just want to welcome him to the show today. Chief, how are you, brother? Good. How are you? Fantastic, man. This is fun to get you on. Every time I stop in down in Westville when I'm down that way, you guys open your doors. You're super kind. We sit down. I think the last time I was there, uh, you guys were eating lunch, and I just sat down with you and just chatted for a little bit. And it was like we just picked up from where we left off on the last go-around. And um, you guys are just a fun group of guys, and uh, I enjoy it. And the what I, I think what I really enjoy about it most 
is the the passion you all have there for the tradition and legacy of the job. And I know that is led by you because I do know how important history is to you. And we're going to get into all that. Um, but man, just seeing how squared away the department is, the equipment, the building, the apparatus, the, uh, you name it, the list goes on and on. A lot of work going in down there in Westville, brother. Yeah, it's nonstop. <laughs> you say that so nonchalant, but it's a lot of work, man. It's a combination department, career and volunteer. You're the career fire chief. You got 37 years in the fire service, 25 as a career fireman, and 13 years as the, the chief of the department, correct? Correct. Yep. You're a busy man. Yep. It's, as I said, it's, it's never-ending, and it's a 24-hour cycle here. Well, and you and I were joking before we started the podcast that you actually, uh, it's like, it feels, I said, are you actually working today or are you, uh, you off? And you say, I work every day. And I know that you actually mean that because I know on your days off, you do come in from home and all of that as well. So I do know how busy you are down there. Give me a little background about yourself, man. Where did the beginning, the foundation of the fire service come from for you? And then maybe we'll just roll right into the history of Westville and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, I was I I'm first generation. I have no family history in the fire service. Um, I was actually born and raised in South Philadelphia. Uh, you know, my my parents were were born and raised in Philadelphia. That got to the point where, in the mid '70s, they wanted to get the kids out of the city, get to the suburbs. You know, we end up here in in Westville, New Jersey, and um, it, it went from there to where coming from the city you you don't understand how suburbs work or volunteer mm. fire companies it's it's all new to you i said coming from philly red fire truck here at Cumber westville there's there's two volunteer fire companies um one on uh in the center of town the one on the south end and uh, the one were you know it was a maxim house all red fire trucks and then independent was actually blue and white fire trucks it was probably the first time i ever seen a fire truck that wasn't red in my life right at that yeah. point you know and uh first generation so where again getting involved in a small town back then where everybody was involved in something everybody volunteered in something and i said as a kid walking from the side of town i lived to the local candy store was next door to the firehouse walking past the firehouse they had the classic glass doors looking in seeing the trucks walking back and forth and it, it leads up to later on a group of guys i'm hanging with uh, that I went to school with that were my friends. Their their fathers were volunteer firemen. And the way, again, the way the town was back then, a lot of people served within the two fire companies. Um, we had a uh, fire horn system and the way it worked, and when it was emergency, the fire horns would blow and you would look out your front doors and you seen guys running out of their houses, jumping in cars, blue lights going on and racing to which side of town or which, you know, which firehouse they served in. And, and that must've been something that just, that just, you know, kicked off for me to where it was, it was just something that it was to see and, and the way they got activated and then they, and they went to work. I always, you know, so many of these episodes, when I talk about guys in the foundation of where they, where they found their journey and where it began, some of their most earliest memories is the impact the local fire company had on them. You know, you walking past the firehouse every day, going to the candy store, walking to the corner and being able to look in through the glass doors and to see the trucks in there. I mean, those memories are vivid for you, I'm sure. And and the impact of that is just, uh, I, I love it. I love how so many people have a very similar story about their foundational roots and, and you know, their earliest memories. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, 
it was a neat time and it was a neat time in in the town obviously you know over years things you know change when it comes to like you know services today but but back then like i said it, it stuck out to me and i could just remember when the horns blew the light that the town came alive i mean you just do this the step back and watch and 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 you had anywhere you know from 50 to 80 guys moving to two different right. firehouses yeah you know and again for them knowing later on it was also an internal thing obviously you got there's a rivalry who's getting there first you, you find that out later but you know as a 10 year old kid you don't you don't pick up on that i i love what you just said the town came alive right the horns blow yeah. the town comes alive and i remember yeah. that very much as a kid too man that those those days of you know volunteers running out of their houses jumping in their cars with blue lights you know they had the old Maltese cross with a blue wobbler in the middle, right? I don't oh, know if yeah. you remember those, right? Yeah, the old, the old teardrops were going. Yeah, teardrops, the, uh, right? Yeah. Guys would sling yeah. them out out of their window on top of their roof magnetic and plug yeah. it in a cigarette lighter and, and race to the firehouse. And at that time, for me, it was a small town. We only had, you know, two traffic lights, I think, in a whole town. So it was like, it's not what it is today. Right now, we, even with the volunteer fire department today, most departments don't have sirens or horns anymore to alert the town. The town doesn't even know the apparatus are going out unless it's in their neighborhood. We got traffic lights at every corner now, two-lane roads turned into four-lane roads. The The whole makeup of the community has changed drastically, just like the fire yeah. service has, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, and I tell that story a lot to the guys who are here today. You know, just the difference of how much the service changed in, in, in 35 years. Yeah, hundred percent. A lot. Yeah. Um, I'm just making notes. So deal with my deal with my quietness as we're going because these these are really good topics. But so this is put it in perspective for me. Then is this like the uh, '80s, like early '80s? What what what's the time frame for you? Watching it as coming to said early '80s. So I'm ready to come in around '85, '86, and that again, that's the other part of when you talk about two fire companies. Yeah. So obviously there were two fire companies in town. There was the uh, the downtown fire company was the Union Fire Company, and their history dates back to 1898, pre-Borough Westville. Westville doesn't get established until 1914. And then you have the independent fire company on the south end of town. Uh, they come in around in, uh, in uh, 1907. So again, the history of two fire companies, but when you're coming of age, I have to make the next decision. Where am I going? Which one? So the way it was set up back then, Union Fire Company, again, was an all-maxim house, two engines and a ladder company. Independent was uh, was the, was a Mack Fire House, two engines, uh, ambulance, and a rescue truck. So in most cases is, again, what side of town you live on or what type of job you want to do. Do you want to get involved with ladder work? Do you want to get involved with the rescue of motor vehicle crashes? So you kind of had those options. As a kid coming up, the, the, the next decision was, and obviously go back to when you're you know, a 15-year-old kid, how long a year is. So the joint independent, you had to be 15 years old. The joint union, you had to be 16. Mm. And I was at the point where I wanted to go to union. One, again, looking through the glass doors, the red trucks, and then the ladder truck was sitting there. And that's what I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And when, you, when you're with your friends and your dads or members, and some of them are going, you know, to the other firehouse. And again, to get to the south end is a little further for me. Again, not knowing we're going to be merging in 1988, you know, that that might have uh, right, been right. But actually, on my uh, 15th birthday, a member from the independent fire company actually came to my house, knocked on my door to bring me up to join. No kidding. And I had to, you know, and I remember looking at him, thanking him, and saying, "Now I'm going to hold out for a year. I'm going to union." 
Can you and believe probably, that? Can you believe that a member came to your house to pick yeah, you up and, as a fifteen-year-old because they knew yeah. you were interested? Like yeah, by they, then, they yeah, were so by, invested back then. Yeah, by then the word was out within the group of guys. That the, again, the guys like I hung out with, their their dads were there, so obviously they knew they were coming. We're all the same age. So when I hit the age, he actually came to my house, knocked on my door to drive me to the firehouse to join. And it was probably one of the first, I guess, hardest decisions I had to make in the fire service. I had to say no. Really? Because I, I wanted to go to the other company. You wanted to be a truckman. Yeah. And it and it and it, and it was the and longest. Max. I mean it's Mac versus Maxim. That's a that's a Maxim, yeah. Oh Maxim, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, I wanted yep. to go to the Mac. I wanted and yeah, again, we're talking classic. Again, talk about the fire service chain. We're talking uh, you know, full Maxim house, open cab convertibles, no jump seats. So we rode in the back, rode in the side of the truck. You know, that that's that's what I, I wanted to do. And again, I said it was the longest probably year of my life. I bet it was. Wow. Yeah. So take me to that time. You finally get to where you want to be. Well, did it disappoint? No, no. Oh, no. I could, <laughs> yeah, I could tell you the night that it was time for me to join a year later was actually my, it was my 16th birthday. I went up. It was, it was, uh, the day you joined the firehouse back then. It was, it was bingo night, Monday night. It was my 16th birthday. I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, I told mom and dad, hold the birthday cake. I got somewhere to be. Nice. Yeah, you know, went up to the firehouse, and I can remember you know, arriving, uh, you know, bingo night, tell them I'm there to see a chief. And they're like, okay, it's, it's 7 o'clock at night. And he said, you know, he'll see you at 930. I'm like, you know, it's 930. And they're like, oh, yeah, the chief calls, you know, bingo. You, you got to wait to cover all. The cover all <laughs> at 930, he's available then. So, uh, yeah. And I laughed. I was like, you know, okay. And then – uh you know, again, you're you're hanging around. Guys are saying hello. You're joining this and that. But it, and, and I didn't realize he said, you know, the chief's going to ask you a question. And I'm like, he's going to ask me a question. They're like, yeah, he's going to ask you, why do you want to join? Yeah. So then I get the other the other junior fireman give me the answer. And he said, just just tell him to serve the community. That's the answer. That's the answer everybody gives him. You serve your community. He's going to hit you with that. I'm like, yeah, all right. So yeah, I'm preparing myself. So finally, 9:30, the chief will see you. I go up in the media room, sit at the big table. He sits down, throws a slides a legal pad over to me, and says, "You know, fill out your information, name, address, phone number, the whole thing." Then he, uh, he asked me the question, "Why, why do you want to join?" And I gave the answer he told me to give. I want to serve my community. And he just looked at me and said, "Okay." He says, "But let me tell you one thing." He says, "You can come in here. You can be a regular person, and do what you got to do, or you can work to get to the top." And that's what he said to me. Wow. And I decided to work to get to the top. You apparently have, sir. Uh, I know how hard you work, your work ethic, how much pride you have in your department. I see it firsthand. You're you're out there every single day just like anyone else, polishing, cleaning, maintaining. I mean, you certainly don't wear your title as a a, a way of showing people who you are. You are, uh, I, I would think... And from what I've seen, you are an equal to everyone in your firehouse and the way it should be. And I believe that you, you know, you believe in that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, it might, I'm not far off on that, right? No, I'm, and I think for that, I get away with a little more than another chief would. Because when it comes down to when discipline has to be said, I think what goes to my favor is they know that I mean it and they know I do what they do. Yeah. So it's not, it's not as hard. And, and again, 
I have topics. He said, as chief, when things come to a head where it has to be addressed. And again, any fire chief would tell you, there's times where the guys disappoint you, upset you, do something to the point. And when that time comes and I got to put them all in the room, I'm pretty clear to them. And, and I let it be known that I'm upset. And when I'm going to go off here, it's just not because I'm going off trying to put a show on and I need to yell at somebody. It's to the point where they know I'm passionate about it and where it affected me. And I just want to correct it and go on. And then the other part, when we get into the generational part is again, when I come in in the eighties, I'm, I'm dealing with guys from world war two. Yeah. I'm dealing with the greatest generation to where things were said and, and when they, it was over and yes. I'm like that today. And some of these kids to where I have to handle things, they think that we're done. We're not friends anymore. I'm never going to talk to you anymore. When it's said, it's said, it's over, and, and I move on. Um, I'll tell you, though, Chief, I don't even think that's generational. It's just people in general today, man. Yeah. People are so afraid of of um, conflict, and they worry that conflict will destroy everything. When, in fact, when there's hard conversations that have to be had, I think the most important yeah. thing for a manager is to be able to have them, but then be able to move past them. And yeah. it, it takes a certain type, man. And we're losing that. We're losing that every day. And, and, I, and I cover it with, within the membership. Again, we are as a team. We, we, we support each other. That, that's the goal. But in the case of, and again, every firehouse is, is the same, no matter what. We have the same type of people, and, and it's working those people. But to the point where I make general announcements when there's an issue, and, and, and we had the discussion when I'm making general announcements, there's an issue going on. So obviously you can pick up that the general announcement might be you, that it could be corrected right then and there. Yeah. General announcement's made, it's fixed. Where if it continues, it's not fixed, then I tell them it's going to become a one-on-one -on -one meeting. And my goal is not to have an official one-on-one -on -one meeting with you, but it will be done. And and I, I and we're pretty good here. They know that. They, they know what's expected of them. And again, we're no different. We have good days. We have bad days. And, and, you know, the goal is, again, keep the ball rolling, keeping the service going, and, again, you know, serving ourselves and, and the community. And I, that's another thing. Yeah, you know, I really like how you put that, though, man. That is a, a general a general notification is to nip it in the bud before we have to get formal. And yeah. um, I really like that. I, I think that that's a great way to manage and to lead because it's an informal way of saying, listen, guys, we got to clean this up. Message is out. Your yep. choice now, right? Balls yeah, back do, in your court. Yeah, we when we do it verbally. Like I said, every every Thursday we drill every Thursday. So we might start off the drill with it. We might end the drill in in, in a group setting. I mean, you've been in the building. We we changed mm -hmm. our, our gear room up to an actual gear room. I love that. Where we where we sit in a room and we see each other and, and we discuss the topics and we do it every week. I try to keep them obviously me being here every day, hailing the business end of it. The two other guys I work with are, are great. They, they're doing their jobs from the fire marshal's office to the firefighting, keep managing the equipment to we handle, you know, code enforcement in town. So I know we know the movements of the town. Being a fire district kind of separate from the municipality, the municipality, we get everything set up, but we know what's going on and we try to keep pumping the information to our members. And then obviously the internal stuff. You see that sometimes we're busy, jobs going on, things that went good, things that didn't go good. Let's, let's cover it. And then, um, you know, again, worrying about today of where we're at on training, where are we at on staffing and, and in what direction are we going in? Yeah. Yeah. So where did, where did all this come from for you? 
right? So, I mean, I know your early days and in, in how you were mesmerized by the fire apparatus in your community, and then you took a year to pause to get to the fire company you wanted to get to, and then you got in. It sounds like the interaction you had, that 9.30 meeting on your first night with the chief, was, uh, was pivotal for you in what he said to you and what type of fireman do you want to be. Did you take that to heart and then moving oh. forward? I mean, like, because I yeah, so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I mean, yeah. So when people say, you know, how I am today, it comes from that. Again, I, I joined a fire company again with the generations that were in there. Uh, again, this is, you know, 1986. And it was, uh, again, talking to the juniors today, some of them get a little mouthy and everything. We weren't allowed to speak. <laughs> we weren't allowed to talk. You were you were to be seen and not heard. Yeah. You weren't allowed to talk until you were addressed to. I could not walk up to to the guys talking, walking up and jumping the conversation. I wasn't allowed. I would have to sit there. They would have to. And, that, and that's and when we tell the stories, people say that that's not true. And lucky my my deputy chief today, Steve Cope. We came in together. His father was a member. We're the same age. We joined a fire company at the same time. And I'm glad he's here because he backs my stories up. And and. And the way that worth ethic was back then was you you came to the firehouse, the, the apparatus was everything, especially at that time. We weren't being funded by the municipality. Fire trucks were paid for by Hobie sales, bingo, and you had to take care of them. And almost like today, because the, the, the cost of them, we couldn't afford them. Here we are in 1986. You know, the ladder truck is a 1953 Maxim. That's what we're riding it. They couldn't, they couldn't afford it. So we had to maintain the trucks, maintain the fleet. And when the trucks went out, they came in, we cleaned them, we we went on jobs, the, the the hose hit the ramp, we scrubbed the hose down, everything was always clean and restored, and that was the, the work ethic. And again, seen, not heard. And and I and I was one of those guys who I kept my ears open. I listened to every conversation. I listened, you know, to the stories. And I and the other story I, I tell all the time is, you know, when I when I first joined, some of the words they were saying, I never heard in my life. The way they were talking, and then and some of the words they were using, and I, I, you know, and I laughed. I said I couldn't go home and tell my parents what they were saying. I said they probably wouldn't let me back in the firehouse. It was hysterical. But again, I heard words for the first time in my life of, of the way they spoke. Yeah, and they were they were a bunch of you know men that that came from the World War II era, and and that's the way they they, they talked, and 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 I joined their firehouse, and I went by their rules. There's something about that though, right? Because it's like there's this 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 uh, I want to say hierarchy, but obviously there is. But there was this like level of expectation that they were letting you in, and you had to go through the paces because you learn this respect in way to carry yourself that represents what they are and who they are. Right. And and I think yeah. we lack that very much today, um, you know, and and uh, and I think there's just something to that. But, uh, man, that's so impressionable on a 16 year old kid to go in yeah. and to to see how men and they didn't hold back. Like, that's the other thing, no. too. It's like you can surround yourself with your parents, your parents, friends. They don't treat you like that. They don't talk no. like that in front of you. Adults don't talk like that in front of children. But you go to the firehouse. And that sixteen-year-old yeah. kid grows up very quickly. Yes. Yeah, but well, I knew the two different lifestyles. Yeah. Being home and being there. Absolutely, <laughs> so, man. So I, yeah, I, I, I knew it. But I, I'll tell you. But again, it was the error of every guy in the firehouse. Again, had had a talent. Yeah. You, you had plumbers. You had builders. You had electricians. You you had everything. There was 
it was rare that you called an outsider to come in. And then obviously when they get to know you and you become one of them, the last thing you needed was to call somebody for help. You knew you, you went to the firehouse. You yeah. grabbed that guy and said, can you come to my house? Or in a case that we talk about all the time, when they found out you were moving, you didn't have, you didn't have to rent a truck. The pickup trucks were there and, and, and yeah. they were lined up to go. That was, that's the way it was. Yeah. I, I, I miss that. That's the way it was. When I, I, I miss it. Yeah. That's how it was when I first got in. I, I got a few years after you, um, but uh, you're about 10 years ahead of my time. But um you know, it's just uh, I do I do miss some of those foundational things that we grew up with in the firehouse. It's it's not that the firehouse is 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 uh, it's just as good as it's always been. It's just different, and it's yeah. that's something I'm struggling with. I'm I'm truly struggling with it right now for sure. And um, you know, and coming off of a conference I was just at this weekend, I closed the conference by talking about the importance of not sacrificing your own values in the firehouse. And if, you know, you, Dennis Riley, a retired chief um, from a couple different places. Uh, I met him this past weekend and he, one of his last slides of his show of his presentation was called seminar hangover. And he's like, you're going to go home and you're going to realize that all the excitement and camaraderie and learning that you've done here can get stunted as soon as you walk through the door because your own firehouse doesn't promote that or the people there don't have the same ambition you have. And so you have that hangover, you know, that, that seminar hangover. And I'm going to explore that further, but man, the, the, it feels like the foundational values of which Westville was built upon, especially with the camaraderie or the competition between two different volunteer fire companies that became one, right. And for the betterment yeah. of the community, right. There was always oh, a, yeah. a sense of tradition and competition and history mattered and so, like, that, I think, is the foundational roots. And so you're still very protective of those roots, right? Yeah, I am. And, and again, trying to, to get that out. And I, and I joke yeah. with the guys at the time when we're sitting around the table drinking coffee and, and I'm talking about the history or things that happened. And they'll, they were sitting right here, they'll tell you. I always look at them and say, what are you going to talk about when I'm not here anymore? That's right. And they, and they all start laughing. They're like, we, we don't know. Yeah, you know, and you're just trying to get the stories out to hopefully someday when I'm not here anymore, somebody sits at the table and says, there was a guy here that used to tell us all this, and this is what he said. The same way I did. I, I, I didn't speak. I listened, and I heard that generation talk, and I, I just absorbed it You know, and said but back in the union days in the 80s, there was a guy there that was serving in the 1930s. So I almost have 100 wow. years of – yeah, he was there in the, in the 1930s. I can remember him sitting at the bar talking, and I would just sit there. And I would just listen and I would listen to their stories and hear them talk about how the service changed, how the town changed. And, and again, this is 100 percent, you know, volunteer and, and they had their livelihoods, their families, and they came up to the building and I listened to the stories. I Something you just said there really hit me. You had a guy there from the 30s when you were yeah. sitting around the table as a kid listening to the storytelling. Yeah. We, we, I think, forget now more than ever how important the storytelling is, because, in fact, he he gave you the history of everything. He gave you the history of the fire department, the history of the municipality in which you serve. And you as a kid sitting back and listening to his stories, and it's probably the same stories, just like you do now. You probably yeah. tell the same story, you know, every couple of months, another story comes around. It's like, oh, we already heard that one. And guys are like rolling their eyes, right? But, right, the, imp yeah. but the importance of that allows for them to understand it and also learn and almost feel like they were a part of it too. And I think that that's so important. And that's why storytelling in the fire service matters. It matters so very much.
This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and her crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform, and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout... For a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. Did you know Modus makes mini spanners, aka pip sized ones? The Modus mini spanners are ultra lightweight, only 2.5 ounces each and fit easily in your bunker gear pockets. So basically, a great product to carry with you at all times. The double tip design allows you to use the mini spanner multiple ways, pushing or pulling. So head over to modusfirerescue.com and tell them the size up sent you by using code THESIZEUP, one word, to save 5% off your order. Yeah, it's a, it's a part of it that it's been, again, I guess we said my entire life within the service is, is you know, from them. And now it's in my lap. That That's that's where it's at. And so, and I know that it is a passion of yours. And I, I'm, I'm sure you do it to protect the legacy of the department and the, the separate companies. You guys recently had the 25th anniversary of combining the two fire companies within your town. Um, and I know that it was a lot of pomp and circumstance. You guys put together quite a program that involved the town as well as inviting back a lot of members, correct? Yeah, it's, it's actually 35th. 35th, I'm sorry, 35. Yep, 1988, we, we uh, again, not realizing, starting my service off, that the, the fire companies were eventually going to merge. Um, again, uh, it was a, a decision that was made in may of 87 and we were merged by january 1st 88 and under one year you know two fire companies that had almost you know 70 85 years of service are going to become one Mm. so take me down that journey a little bit i mean how i'm sure the guys were like yeah great idea let's do this let's let's the opposite (laughs) opposite. i know so so talk about that please oh man um yeah it's it the Hopefully, the best part, it's going to be full circle by the time I get to the end. But back, there you go. You know, 1987, we're talking again. I'm only, I'm in, I come in in 86, so I'm a year and a half into it, and all of a sudden they're talking about, you know, merger. And it, it sounds crazy. You have two companies in the same town, but two, two different philosophies of fighting fire, two separate entities. It was, uh, you know, I, the joke was that's what the 50-foot length of hose was designed for, was for the borough of Westville. So, you know, truck to truck. That's that's the way things went. <laughs> It was yeah, you know, two different plans. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was it it was crazy. And again, looking back on the way, you know, the, yes, the fires were put out. It, it wasn't. They still work together. When they arrived, they, they worked together. But you can see, you know, our guys listen to our chief. Their guys listen to their chief, and everything. So what actually drives us to the merger had nothing to do. When you think of today, when you think merger, you're thinking staffing issues. You're thinking, you know, your financial issues. This, you know, that. And and for us, it was financial. Um, again, we weren't being supported by the municipality. 
they were throwing a little bit of money towards each fire company. Staffing levels at the time, we're talking 40 guys each without a problem at that time. Right. It was it was modernization of the fleet. We couldn't afford fire trucks anymore, and the only way to do it was to merge. And, um, again, I wasn't directly involved at the time. I'm only 17 years old. Again, keeping my ears open watching. So when they go to the town and, and, and they lay it out that we want to merge and this and that, and the town says, you know what? If you become one fire company, we'll support you. Well, they didn't, they didn't think it was going to happen. I think it was one of those things to buy time, you know, kind of push them off. Well, the fire companies got, you know, you know, serious about it. They put you know, the boat in the floor. The good thing is that with, with all the record keeping and getting caught up on everything, I went back and lucky the guys who kept the minute books back then were very good at doing the research of everything that happens. I've been going through minute books. And obviously for the vote of Union Fire Company in 87, I was in the room and it was a unanimous vote to merge. Nobody said really. Yep. And then uh, independent, I got into their books, read the same thing. There was one extension, and it was unanimous. So, so it was unanimous vote. But I can tell you, people weren't happy about it. They they didn't want any parts of it. Well, change is scary, man. And yeah. When yeah. you have your own identity, your identity starts to go away when you choose yeah. to do something, you know, to move forward. And it was said it was quick. This is May of '87, and the goal was January first, '88. So now you got to get lined up, you know, on the business side of it. There's guys, you know, working the business side of it, and then laying the game plan out. How are we gonna, how are we gonna vote? How are we gonna, you know, when do we start voting? Who's gonna be the next chief? Because again, you got, you have two different ideas on, on each and everything. Yeah. So yeah, you know, so we laid it out, and and they kind of kept it. You know, this is where I would say our mistake of the merger came in. Uh, we, you know, we laid the elections out, and you know, you kind of do it again be fair you have your percentage you're you're a good member in standings you get the vote when the other fire company shows up with more guys you're not going to win yeah and that's what happened so in our first case of our our first meeting as the westville fire department unofficially to become westville in november of 87 we had the vote independent had more guys in the room and the, the three chiefs and the president are all from independent fire company so now here you are you know, here, here we are at union we're looking at each other like I don't know, man. Is this a good idea? We just lost and our identity, right? Like just, there yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah. And, and there it is. And when and when it was coming, I can tell you that there was guys who, when that clock hit midnight on New Year's 1988, I never saw them again. Really? They packed up. They walked out. That was and, it, huh? That was it. And mm. then you had the others that decided to say, you know, decide to say, then say, just give us a run. And, you know, the first thing he did is, you know, after you merge, you had this new chief that, you know, for us, wasn't he wasn't from our department. We, I knew of him, but not well. You know, then he's, you know, he's pulling your trucks out of your building and they're back in the blue and white Mac in the in your firehouse. And he's telling you this is how you're going to run now. Oh, man. And, and you're sitting there scratching your head like, okay, you know, so, you know, it, it, you know obviously the, the first year is going to be the most difficult. And when I, when I said that the, that was the mistake, the only thing I would tell people if they're emerging, he said, what would you do different? I would say the two guys running for chief, whoever wins is chief, whoever loses is deputy. At least you have representation from both to kind of get through the first year. I think that's the, the one thing, even um, the chiefs that were involved, the guys were involved back then, we still talk about it. And they, and they said they would have probably suggested the same thing when, when they do meet with other fire companies and they're heading in that direction that there is still the identity there. You got to get through the first year. Yes. Our first year was, I'll, I'll tell you, it was, it was horrible. It was just, um, you know, 
the, the guy who took over maybe really wasn't the guy. Yep. And and it turned out he, he wasn't. He only lasted uh, eight months and, and he resigned and, and, and stepped down. And then the president appointed um, somebody to take his place to, to, to finish it out. But our good news was, was within that year, there was somebody who stepped up and he was clear he was stepping up. And um, and that was Chief Chuck Murtaugh. Hmm. He was he was uh, assistant chief at a union. And then through the merger, uh, they actually knocked him down to like second captain. So here's a guy who was a dep- you know, assistant chief in the O2 position, knocked down to the fifth position in the merger. And he was clear. He was our he was our leader then. And he said, you know, 1980 for 89, I'm running. Here's my vision, and this is where we're going. And he ran. He became chief January 1st, 1989, and, and it was his ball for 20 years. And, and he's the guy that, that takes us to the next level through the modernization, getting the department from two stations to one station, getting the fleet changed over, the color format. This is where we're going. This is our agenda, and this is the direction we're going in. And that's who I took off over after yeah but he was a that was a volunteer position right volunteer because volunteer. you are the first career fire chief for the westville fire department yeah right, right correct selected by the fire district so yes yeah, so chuck had to run every year and be right by the numbers you know and then uh in the case of you know over here it's a, uh one time uh obviously you know within elections of firehouses i i i'll top my head i can't remember what year that um somebody did run against them because you always have something going on and and you know chuck one continued he did, he did you know 20 years but i i knew in the back of of his head it probably had to be the worst time of year every year on that because we knew he was our leader he was the guy and i not that i read fear that 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 he would lose he always had our, our support on on running through the whole thing and then i, I you know i get it on that point because now just to kind of sign it throw me in i become his deputy chief i was his deputy chief for almost like 12 years yeah so so there now we're talking a generational thing because mm-hmm. now obviously when you guys in the firehouse a generation truck being you know older than me my guys are in and then i have the ob- the ob- uh, i have the chance to run yep i'm gonna tell you now it never crossed my mind really yeah never crossed my mind and there's times we had conversations where i guess you know, you know through the rumor mill yeah, I hear you. One time he came to me and said, are you running for chief? And I told him to his face, you never have to worry about me running for chief against you ever. Hmm. And I promised him that. Yeah. And it was just because the respect I had for him, That's I it. knew that he was taking us to the right place and there, there was no, there was no replacing him. And so when it gets to the point where when Chuck is stepping down, uh, obviously things are changing within, within the service of, yeah, at the business, I would say more, like I said, the business end of it, where within the firehouse, it's not saying you shouldn't be friendly to them, working thing, but it gets into voting and and lining things up. And for us in Westville, the fire district wanted to get away from that. So they came to me and said, one, would you like to be chief, too? If it is, we're going to appoint you yeah. to where you can do the job and you don't have to worry about, you know, the, the other part of the fire service of who your friends are and who's sure. going to vote for you. So, so I had I, I'm lucky enough to that where I do my job. The five commissioners, as long as I keep them in happy with what I'm doing, we're moving forward. I have a job. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck on his part, he he had a worry every November, December. Yeah. So where did so how did then? I mean, your 
you're very, very passionate about the history of this, of, of the departments and then the merger, the community in, in general, Westville. I mean, you're very dialed in and connected to the, to the town that it is. Where is that all stem from the early days then of shut up and listen and learning about all the history that came along with it? Because here you are 35 years after the merger, you threw a hell of a, a party and celebration to celebrate the progress of who you guys have become. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually happened by accident. It was an accident. So I'm upstairs in our meeting room that we set up as a small museum. I'm up there doing something. And, and, and that down. should be said too, chief. It is a small museum. There's a tremendous amount of history on display throughout your fire department, but your meeting room is a small. And, and again, that just goes to the passion you have for the history. But, so go. But the funny part about that, to backtrack a little bit, all that was removed. When we merged, we had to remove everything. They they removed union. They removed independent. We had a we wiped everything out. It was so we have an, a, a a time period where you weren't allowed to say union. You weren't allowed to say independent. It had to be removed. In the case of, yeah, you know, I think when when Chuck becomes chief in '89, his first big decision is, and he was he was from the Union Fire Company that he's shutting that building down. We're moving independent. And we we and independent firehouses could become the Westville Fire Department. At the time, all the apparatus fit into this building. So it was get them all in the one building. If they're gonna if they're gonna hate each other, they're gonna hate each other in one building. Yeah. We you know get them up the street. And, you know, and then you know now we're guys from Union. We're in we're in Independence Firehouse, and there's things here throwing flags to where. So there's probably 15, 20 years where things are in closets. You don't see anything. So again, obviously through time heals things that things come back out and, and we, you know, we brought the museum out to start talking about our, our history. But yeah. Lucky we didn't totally lose the history because said, you know, you've been here, you've seen our apparatus. A lot of the history was incorporated. So we were doing it without real realizing we were doing it. And thank God we did that. Yes, for sure. Through the, through the color schemes and the patterns. Well, that's, and the, like, that's the thing. When, when two become one, they usually lose their identity. And then only years later does it come important again when we look back and go, man, we should have held on to some of those things from yesterday. And then all of a sudden it's like, how do, and then we start asking around and people are like, oh, I have this or I have that. Like, and, and we start to collect the belongings again. But I guess any department that's going through any type of merger or any, any entities where there, there's more than one coming in, don't lose track of your identity, right? It's the right. foundation from which you're built. And um, we can't, we can't just throw that to the wayside and, and, and not value it. Well, lucky we did throw it by the wayside, but lucky it was in the closet where it was safe. And again, we were doing things where we didn't realize we were doing it, where we were incorporating it. So when it comes back out, like like I said, it was a full circle that, that worked out. So yeah. like I said, it, it was an accident. I'm upstairs in the meeting room. I looked down at a plaque, and it was a purchase plaque that was mounted on the, the front wall, Union Fire Company, and it said June 18th, 1921. And so this is in March of, of 2021. I look at the plaque, and I said, man, I said, this year is the 100th anniversary of the Union Fire Company purchasing the building on Broadway. They were originally in an old, you know, barn on the on the west side of town in the New Bowl section, and they 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 purchased what was called Prosperity Hall on June 18, 1921. I realized it's the 100th anniversary in in a couple months, and I thought to myself, man, it would be neat to kind of honor that, but not that. I said the holes in the wall are still there. 
the brick is still there. The holes are there for the purchase plaque and the fireman's prayer that were in between the two bays. And I said, I wonder if I can get replicas made and, and maybe do something, but we don't own the building. So the next thing I had to do is I had to call the owner of the building, who, whose name was, was Frank Papano. And, and I called Frank and I said, and I, and I kind of know Frank from, again, we, we handle the fire marshal's office doing fire inspections. So every time I'd go to the building, I, I would talk to him. And of course, again, going into history that we walked through the building and I'm telling him things that went on in the building. This was here, this was there. And I've been doing that with Frank for, you know, again, you know, 30 years. So I said to him, I see this date. I said, you realize it's the 100th anniversary. Hey, do you think we can do something? So nothing's going to happen unless Frank says yes. And he said, I'm on my way to the firehouse. He actually hangs up the phone, drives right here, looks at the person's <laughs> plaque, says to me, what do you want to do? And, and this is, again, this is happening quick. I said, you know, the fire company don't even know about it. It's me looking at the plaque saying, I would like to do something. Frank turned to me and said, let's do it. Hands me the key to the building, says, you got full reign. Let's let's do this. Wow. I love it. Hands me the key to the building. And the key, I mean, the building now is it's still exactly like the firehouse where the, where the engine rooms are out today are, you know, a brewery and, mm -hmm. and, and some stores and everything. He says, but that's the key to everywhere else, whatever you need to do. And then, I, you know, I had to bring it back to the fire company. And I said to him, this is, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to honor the Union Fire Company, I want to try to go back and find everybody. Let's do a night on Broadway. And I'm looking at the dates. Turns out June 18th, 2021 is a Friday night. Let's do a whole program. Let me track everybody down. Let, you know, for the next couple of months, let's 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 grab onto this. But again, and I and I and I said this during the night story when I was speaking, like the, the ghosts of our past like start haunting us. So I'm lining everything up for you and the ball's kind of rolling. We, we got things going. I go in the, into the independent books and, and I'm, and I'm flicking and I'm reading. And it turns out again, the independent fire company, 1907, they were in a small barn on, on the Victoria section, also in the West side, on the Southwest side of town. And union buys the building on Broadway in 1921. Well, independent buys land and the building we're in today is going to be, is in the, in the going to be built in 1922 so we have 2122 and then i realized you know dates are lining up here almost you know a little a, you know, year apart where i can do something for union and what i do for union to be fair i want to do the same thing to honor independent a year later and the date falls in august 19th 1922 that falls that turns out to be a friday night also <laughs> so and what better thing is now let me do this so now that here's the next thing i got to do I had to find all the members of the Union Fire Company. Some of these guys I haven't seen in, in 30 plus years. Right. And I want to honor them. And I'll be honest with you. And I, and I said this later on. No time in my lifetime after the merger, I ever thought we'd be honoring the Union Independent Fire Company ever again the way we did. And it, it turned out to be unbelievable. And when I talk about full circle, I mean, the neat story that happens is as I'm looking for guys that I haven't seen that moved away some passed away and I'm working with guys who, do you know what happened to so-and-so? You know, so I'm going through everything. I'm using Facebook. I'm using tax records. I'm running. I'm it's a huge undertaking, huge undertaking. Yeah. yeah. Cause my goal is I, I have the 1987 book. So every member that was on the books in 1987, I have to talk to, I need to get them there. And anybody else who was members that, that, that joined and left and kind of, you know, within the volunteer service come in, I invited all. I invited everybody. If you were ever a member here, I want you here tonight. But the guys from 1987, I need them. I need. There's something else that I need to do that I'm, I'm going to do for them. But I need to track them all down. So, 
one of the funny stories, and, and it turned out to be one of the best, is I find everybody. I contact them, sending letters. There's this one guy I can't find, and I'm asking questions. And they say to me, I think he passed away. And everybody's telling him, no, I, I think he passed away. And I'm, I said, I'm not finding anything on this guy. Right. And I'm looking, and I finally do a Google search, and his name comes up, but the age is different. So I'm thinking, maybe this is his son, but I don't remember him having kids. You know, it's 35 years ago. Sure. I don't remember. So when it comes up to the neighboring town, I call a friend of mine in the neighboring town who lives in the same neighborhood. I said, do you know this guy? And the name was Tom Sears. He says, yeah, he's, he's my neighbor. I, I actually have his phone number. Do you want to call him? So I said, yeah. I said, give me his number. So I, I call him the answers. I tell him who I am, what I'm doing. I said, by any chance, is your father, Tom Sears, who was a member of Union Fire Company in 1987? He says, yes, yeah, my dad. So I'm like, good. Now, now here's the question I have to ask because they're telling me I'm here. And he, right, right, right. I, have to ask the <clears throat> I said, by any chance, is your dad around? He says, yeah, he's in West Virginia right now. He's probably sitting home. Why? You want his number? No kidding. And I, yeah. So I, I found him. I called him in West Virginia. He gets on the phone. I tell him who I am. He doesn't remember me because it's time. He's a member. I'm only 16, sure. you know, 17 years old. Sure. Again, I didn't talk that much. He He's telling me the guys he remembered. Um, and so we're talking. He realizes I know what I'm talking about. He says to me, I live in West Virginia, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to be there. That's awesome. And, right. And he showed up that night. And this guy, he, he, when you talk about full circle, one, I'm glad I found him and he was okay. Two, he shows up wearing, it looked to be brand new, last edition, Union Fire Company t-shirt he's wearing. No kidding. Yeah. He made the night. He walked around, said hello to everybody, greeting everybody. He talked, but what the payoff was this. He grabs me. At the end of the night, at the end of the ceremonies, and he says, I have to talk to you. He says, you know, I wasn't happy about this merger. I didn't like it. I didn't want any parts of it. He looked at me. He says, have you ever been happy that you were wrong? That's what he said to me. Wow. Yeah, Powerful, so, man. Yeah, and it made it full circle because, <laughs> again, a part of when I talk about the merger, it was about modernization of the fleet. And that's what it was about. And I made sure that at, at both cases of Union Independent, when we were setting up the ramps for the ceremonies and the chairs were in the street where the firemen were going to sit from the past, I made sure that I said, I need our fleet surrounding them. I need a truck to the right. I need a truck to the left. And I need a truck to the rear of them. Because when I speak, there's something I want to speak to them. And I, and I cover it within the speech. I said, now to the members of 1987, I said to them, I want you to know that you are surrounded by your sacrifice. Yeah. And wow. it was it was it was the fleet around them. If it wasn't for you and a decision you made in 1987 to modernize this fire department, and I told them it was your sacrifice, you voted yes. It was the best and hardest decision you ever, you ever had to make. But I'm telling you today, we are okay because of your decision and your sacrifice, and you are surrounded by it tonight. That we have one of the best fleets in the county because of you. Incredible. And we covered and we covered that with, with both fire companies. And hopefully in the end, the guys who, who did walk out, you know, they came back, they said hello, it was great to see them. And I, I just hope that at the end they left those nights I'm, saying that. that I'm sure they wrong. did. I'm sure that it was overwhelming for them. <clears throat> Not only that, but too often tradition and in, in the past is lost and the history is lost and it doesn't have it the same meaning that it had years ago. And 
for you to do all this legwork and to lead the charge with your department to recognize those from 1987, to recognize their sacrifices. And, you know, it's always about doing the right thing. And a lot of members probably shook loose during that merger, but they knew it was the right thing, the majority of them. And then for you to bring this full circle years later, they know it was the right thing. And to see what they've done, they were the foundational bricks that pushed the department forward. That's huge, man. That's, yeah, why, that, that's why it's so important, the integrity of, of what of those that have come before us. Like, this is what legacy is all about. Yeah, the other part is, I, you know, and I had to set up, like I said, again, on the ramp facing them was the membership of today. Those guys sat there looking across the street at the generation that put us to where we're at. And yeah. that's, that's the other part I, I, I wanted to show. And I wanted to, you know, to bring back. I love it. I absolutely love it. So now this modernized fire department that you now run, this combination department, not only did they modernize the fleet after the merger, but you guys are putting career people on. And, um, you know, whether per diem or full-time, as well as volunteers, the department has grown. You guys run in a county-type dispatch system, so you're running boxes with other departments. Talk to me about... Talk to me about today. I mean, we've spent a lot of time on yesterday. What's going on today? Yeah, I mean, like I said, today, like I said, again, modernizing the fleet, being a part. So now today we're obviously, like I said, with the issue we had back then, financial, again, we're okay today with the tax base and, and handling, keeping the department moving forward between gear, apparatus, training. He said, you get into now we're at the staffing issue. Again, that's why we had to bring on career staffing. We we were a community that had, you know, shift workers that went away where daytime was being left open. Right. Uh, obviously, like I said, when you when you talk about statistics and run numbers, I can tell you, 1986, we ran uh, 96 calls. We were getting excited. We were, we were going to hit 100. We were getting there. You know, today we're doing anywhere from 12 to 1400. Right. So, this, you know, so it, it changed. And then through that, again, back then when we went to a dwelling fire, it was union independent. We, we put two departments on the street with 80 guys today. We're, yeah, we're running, you know, full-blown task forces on assignments, working with more of our, our surrounding communities. And in some cases, you know, uh, with fire coordination through the county and the way things are going, you know, there, there's, there's days that, you know, this last, um, last Thursday, I, I was in Bridgeton. I'm 35 miles south of Westville at a, at a four alarm, you know, warehouse fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just, you know, the, the way things have, have changed in, in, in that aspect. I feel, you know, it's funny you say that because I feel like it's changing ever quickly, meaning like years ago, change didn't happen overnight. And now today, things are changing at such a rapid pace that it's almost a daily thing where something new pops up and you go, man, never thought that was going to happen. You know, uh, well. Yeah, and and I I also talk about it not to go back to the merger, but we merged at the right time. And I said, you know, and I say this in 1988. You think of the fire service of, again, open cabs from, from you know the jump seat areas to the. I was still in pull up boots, the Philadelphia helmet, no no portables. You know the portables. You know the chief had a you know radio. The rest of us, you know, you know you didn't the the way the equipment was. So we come in when the fire service is changing and I said, when we merged, I think it was a great time to where modernization within the fire service coming out of that seventies, eighties into the nineties to where we're going into full bunker gear. We're going into closed cabs. You know, the SEBAs are, are being updated to where there's past devices. You know, we didn't have that. 
So it was a good time. We make the, I'd say we made the jump at the at the right time. So so timing was was, was good for us to lead us into the next phase of to where we're at today. And when you talk about moving places and we come in the morning, I can tell you in, in the 80s, if there was a fire, you know, three communities over, you know, uh, 10 miles away, there was no way we were going. Right. We'd sit here on the radio and listen yep. to it. Today, something pops today. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing my stuff saying, oh, there's a good chance I'm leaving. And, and, and they said last Thursday, we're sitting at, you know, in the morning having our, our coffee. And somebody says, hey, there's a fire in Bridgeton. It's going multi-alarms. And I remember, and I laughed and said, "Well, that's the last place I went end up today." And it turns out I, I ended up in Bridgeton. <laughs> you know, so it, it's crazy. You know, again, that would never have happened before. And then, you know, I understand it, it's the staffing levels and everything. And you know, for us, we get plucked a lot because one, we are staffed during the day. Yep. But the good, but the good thing for us, to where you know where we sit at in the county, we're up in the northwest corner. I'm surrounded by, um, you know, career staffing the municipalities around us, so it's easy to pluck us. To send us because I'm automatically backed up. I'm I'm sitting in a safe, you know, quadrant of the uh, of the county where if we get plucked during the day, I have the other municipalities around me backing me up to where, you know, we're okay. So I understand that's why sometimes, you know, that and, and then you you hope like any other volunteer fire company, on it you hope it's because of your reputation. You hope it's because you're being sent because you have good guys. They listen. They follow instructions and and they're easy to work with. I mean that's the that's the other part of it and. And that's full blown through the department, through the career side, the volunteer side. But the difference, the way we kind of operate is on our career side. And I, and I say this a lot, and this is the part of the combination of departments. And a lot of people say, how do you guys do it? Because there's no interference from career to volunteer. I said, one, because we're still a part of it. But two, our motto during the day is to make the volunteer staff successful. That's what we do. We work during the day. We have our own job titles. The three of us, we're doing three different things. But whatever we can do in the firehouse through training, preparing for training, keeping the fleet up, handling small tasks to make them successful, that, that's our goal. If we're successful there, they're doing the same for us you know, at nighttime. They're coming in. They're respecting what we do during the day. They're doing the same thing. They're not leaving you know, stuff off the trucks or, hey, they'll get in the morning. They know they can't do that. They have to have everything done. We're both on the same page. So, so that's something that, that works for us. Yeah, I mean, there's just a, an incredible mutual respect there, and I think that it that's the foundation from which it was built upon. But you're also a steward of that. I mean, you know, like the tradition of the firehouse and the and the importance of the history for you, you're the guy that keeps pushing that forward. You're that you're that uh, that bridge, right? You're the one that's bridging that gap between the new and the old, and you need to find your next guy that's going to take that yeah, spot that- from you. You jump, you jump the gun on that. That's right where I was heading. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm waiting for. I'm hoping, you know, the next guy. I mean, the the joke is, it's it's my nine year old son, and I don't want it to be him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes in here. He knows everything going on. He kind of has the flow and everything. But sure, I, you know, I I I don't want to put that burden on him. I'm hoping it's, it's somebody else. I'm fine. To, you know, if, if it is, because again, um, you know, he's a lot of of me and some of traits and you know. You know, hanging out with yourself sometimes isn't the you know, most fun thing, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he's great towards it. And, again, I don't know what path he's going in. I'm one of those ones, you know, you pick your path and everything. If it's him, I'm fine with it. But in some cases, you realize, you know, being in the service, there's some burdens on you that you don't want to pass on to others. And, you know, that would be his decision. But I'm waiting for – I'm hoping for the person, our persons here that, that grab it. So when I am gone, somebody can sit at the table and explain where we came from Again, the way the fire service is going, you know, you know, there's there's talk of, 
you know, everybody gets into where is it heading? Is it going to sure. a full-blown you know, county system? Yeah. Are we going to be? Are we going to be here? And and we made it 35 years. Are we, you know, going to be here another 35? And 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 that's what again that I said. You, you talked about Union Independent. We're heading towards our third part of the celebration is our 35th, and we we're trying to decide how do we celebrate that. And we decided that we're going to do it on an open house. That we're going to do a ceremony in an open house because we want to tell the community what we what we accomplished in 35 years where we're at but we have to lay the base down to them saying if you don't support us that's the key i mean yeah. the only way for us to be successful is this community and again we're only a you know 1.4 square mile 4200 residents community with 1800 1800 residential homes if you don't support us where where's the next phase and 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 we go to a lot of community events uh, meetings and, and and I lay it out every time. I, I'm, we're lucky enough that we have a good volunteer fire department. We are supported by Career during the day. Our goal is to hold it at this. But if you stop supporting us and the town stops sending us volunteers, the move has to be made. So I, at least I'm laying everything out, hoping it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, they were warned. And and, and you know handling it w- within, they can follow you where it's being laid out and, and is, is trying to manage it. Again, I have to worry about, again, I love history. I, I cover that, but my job today is today. I have to worry about today, where we're at today, where we're at training today. And the next part of my job is the future. Yeah. So I'm, you said, I'm that guy. I have the three realms I have to worry about. I, I handle the history. I handle today that I have to manage to get through day. And, and everybody will tell you, my wife will tell you, how was your day or what's going on? And I, I always say, I just want to get through today <laughs> and I try to, I just get through the day you know, to, to move forward, but I have to worry about the future. Who is replacing me? Who is next up? What is our goals and where are we heading as a full staff? Are we going to have full staffing? Where are we heading? So, I mean, they said that there's a lot on, on the plate and I liked talking to the chiefs today that we have these conversations. If even we really didn't within our conversation of, you know, firefighting regionally where we're at, but I like talking to the retired chiefs that are, are still active that come out and, and we talk and and I kind of I use for myself. I base everything on on their knowledge of their experience. And then listen, any fire chief will tell you and when you get in that tough position and there's something going on and I have to make a decision. I, I, I talk to guys that were in the position that were there that are here and, and I run things past them just to make sure I'm on the right path. And, and hey, let me bounce this off you. And, and you know you got your your key guys that 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 did a hell of a 100%. job in their career, yep. you know, and, yep. and, and you go to that. the and sounding cases, board. Yeah, and and I and I tell our guys, and there's times when a big decision gets made. In most cases, it wasn't just me. I'm bouncing it off my deputy chief. I'm bouncing it off the officers. In some cases, I'm bouncing off somebody who had a lot more experience than I did, just to make sure that we're on the right path. And and it's rare that a decision that I made was correctly 100. percent this was mine and this is what I'm saying. I, I, I normally don't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you got a lot going on, Chief. Not going to yeah. lie. You're balancing and juggling a lot of things. And uh, I do want to hit on two other things. Um, you and I were talking about, like, topics to talk about, and we talked about some operational stuff, and we haven't even gotten there. Um, yeah. We're going to have to save that for another time. But I do want to touch on two things that you brought up, and they, they stand out to me. Okay. One, the hoagie sales. You guys okay. still do these. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, the yesteryear of that's how money was raised through programs like the hoagie sale and bingo and things like that. You guys still do the hoagie sales. And is it more of a 
traditional project or or is it still a source of re- I'm just really intrigued by it okay. because I remember as a kid growing up the high school the fire departments the lions club you know the newcomers club all these different clubs in town would do different types of fundraisers and the hoagie sale was always one that they would actually you could go pick them up or they deliver them to your house and I don't know if this yep. is like a New Jersey thing or what <laughs> yeah. but talk yeah. to me a little bit about the hoagie sale you guys still do all right, it so, all right so Obviously, it's like almost two separate entities. Kind of when you say like church and state. Obviously, the Westville Fire District. <laughs> right. The Westville Fire District. Yeah, the tax entity. They're, they're handling the fireplace, the equipment, the gear. They're handling all that. But the property itself, the building and everything, belongs to the Westville Fire Department. We would say it's the so-called, yeah, you know, the, the the men's club. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. This so, is the social so, side, right? Absolutely. The social side. So, but we're you know, so the, the hokey sales. Obviously, it's something that the, the town always enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yes, the funding comes back in because obviously under the firehouse, we membership, we own that. We pay for electric to be on. We're, we're paying for the modernization of the building, sure. you know, painting, carpeting, keeping the lights on. Um, but I'm a fan of, of the Hoagie Sale. We do well with just the attendance and the membership. It's it's a team building. Thing. I love that. You know, and and and, and uh, they'll be the first one in, in the beginning. I was kind of uh, but. I was on the scale of, you know, again, because the, the Hokie sale was originally ladies auxiliary and we lost the ladies auxiliary again, just through people being too busy. And, the yeah, fire I get it. and I was at first, I'm like, what What do you mean we're taking it over? You know, and the guys are taking it over. So in the beginning years, I wasn't a fan of it. I came around and I realized again, uh, and I hate to say, it, I, I enjoy them. I, I, you know, it's, it's the third Saturday. All the guys mostly are here. It's, it, you know, for us and we're still in adult, we're old school. We still make them. No way, really? We sold the whole thing. We got to line up. Everybody has their jobs, and I'm not allowed to take somebody else's job. If I I jump in this spot, he's getting mad at me. So you come in. Everybody has their gig. They come in. They line up. um, They build them. But on that, it's 45 minutes. You know, we're done. And I guess I enjoy the next part. After we get done, we clean up. The residents from the town, they're, they're, they're here. They're banging on the doors. You know, we got guys in the front of the uh, in front of the rescue. They're selling them. There's people coming in and out. We always have the coffees on, the donuts are on the table, and that's where the team building is because everything that we basically just been talking about for the past hour, yeah, it's going it's going on the table. We're 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 talking, we're communicating, we're we're covering other things. It's an unofficial meeting, and, and on Hoagie Sale Day, the other generation is there. So the older guys are there, the retired guys, the new guys, the brand new guys. Everything's laid out. And, I love it. Uh, we, yeah, we do. We do well. Our, our staffing levels for. I mean, there's times. There's sometimes there's too many people here. They're, they're complaining. We got too many guys here where we're hitting each other. And then just go off. You know, go make the coffee. We'll be in in a minute. So you know, it works for us. But it's also being a part of the community. That that was the other thing we were after. Um, staying ties with the community. Like you said, over the years when communities change, uh, here, you know, things change and some things didn't change for the better to where we got involved to change the community back to, to, to get it back to that point. And right. then everything we try to do is community based from what we participate in, or we try to bring them here to the building to let them know what, what we're doing here. But the hoagie sales is, is a big thing. It's so cool, and I, man. If, if we ever got rid of them, they'd probably they'd go crazy. So it's so cool. It's this nostalgia of it, right? Like yeah. it's something that's been going on for a very long time and I'm sure it doesn't raise incredible money, but it's more about what it stands for. And yeah. that's kind of what I was hoping. And that's why I wanted to ask you about it because 
I think we need more of that. A lot of programs like that and fire departments that have been around for a very long time are disappearing. Um, and something like this, as simple as a hoagie sale on the third Saturday of the month, the residents, the longtime residents have come to rely on it, depend on it. It opens, it gives them a view of the firehouse. It gives them a view of the membership. There's this, you know, sense of community that uh, give back, even though they're paying for these sandwiches, it's more about the fire department giving back and they're supporting you. And then it's the, that team build. That's the first thing you said was team building. That is awesome. Yeah, and it, it, that, that, so when I walk in, I'm a member. I'm not in charge of that. I don't order you what to do. I get in line and tell Hell me where yeah. you need me, and, yeah. and, I go, and I go in that direction. When I'm done, I grab my coffee, I sit down, and you know everybody sits around in the circle, and we, you know, we, 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 we kill two, three hours, and we help clean up, and then we're all done. We'll, we'll see you later. Who's available? Anything happens, and we go on our way. You know, I absolutely love that. The other thing, too, I wanted to mention this because it reminds me of something else. So uh, not far from me, Mawa, New Jersey Fire Department, they do a pizza at their company four. They have five stations in their, in their town. It's a pretty large town. Company four does a pizza night. And it's a Friday night, like once or twice a month, and I think they only do it for a couple months, and then they take time off, then they come back to it. But they open it up to the community. You can order. You show up. They got pizzas being made at the firehouse. And on Friday night, you could stop in, get pizza, get fresh cookies, and uh, and just either sit there and eat or take it home. And I stopped over. One of the guys that helps me with National Fire Radio is a battalion chief there. And I, you know, he was talking about it. So I stopped over on a Friday night. I loved everything I saw about what they were doing. Everybody's in the kitchen working. Wives, girlfriends are out front helping. And it's like... You know what? There is still that sense of community and the importance of what we do is giving back to the community. And then when we can do it through a program like that where it brings our people together as well and it creates a sense of family, you know, within the firehouse where you could bring your kids and bring your wives and they help and it's everybody's a part of it while making a few dollars for the fire company. It's a freaking win, bro. It's a win. Yeah. yeah, and you just hit on something on that when it comes to the kids and in, in the case of Hoagie sale. My my two kids, my son and daughter are here. They they remind me it's hoagie sale. I know in the morning we get up. I we all come here and and we push the other guys. Bring your kids. We don't put the kids in the firehouse now. That's that's the next thing. That's the next generation up. And you know and on, on hoagie sale day, the you know, the kids are running around the building. They know where they're, they're allowed to go, where they're allowed to play. And, yeah. And, and and making it a part of it. And I said we have to bring the kids because that's again they're they're the next ones up. I love it. It's so important. Yeah. And the last thing I want to hit on, which I fell in love with, the first time I stopped at your firehouse, we were doing some apparatus innovation stuff on your apparatus and the firehouse, and I like to wander, and then I turn the corner, I walk into your gear room, okay. and I literally stopped in my tracks, and I fell in love with it. Um, I want to explain it to everybody that's listening, and then I'd love to hear why and how it all came to be. But okay. the, the gear storage room for you guys looks like a NFL locker room, meaning yeah. it's not just this musty, dirty space where we hang our gear after our shift, after our tour. As a volunteer, you hang it up after the run. Everybody has a locker. It's carpeted. There's chairs and seats in there, and it literally looks like a pro team's locker room where everything can be done within, meaning – the good plays, the bad plays, the critiques, the laughs, the tears, all of it is done in that room. Yep. I love it. Talk to me about yeah, how that came to be. That's exactly how it happened. Um, I went to Citizens Bank Park for a regional highway um, safety uh, seminar. 
and obviously at the at the end of the seminar to give you a tour of Citizens Bank Park. And they're taking us around the stadium, and, they, and eventually they take us down into the Phillies clubhouse. Well, I'm, I'm standing in the Phillies clubhouse, and I'm looking around the same thing. The carpet, the lockers, awesome. the tables, the TVs. And we had a room off of our engine room that wasn't being utilized. It was just a – it used to be a small bingo hall when we had bingo in, you know, 30 years ago. And I remember turning to somebody, and it just clicked on me saying, my God, I said, I could do the same thing. I yeah. said, we have that room. I love it. I said, and I said, and, and, and the same thing, you look at it, and that's exactly how it came out. It came out of the Philadelphia Phillies. Being in that room and then being a team and the concept of what they do in that room, I came back. Again, uh, being within the building, I, it's not my part of it. I had to go to the trustees. Hey, we're not utilizing this room. Here's my vision. Let's do this. Let's do this. And 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 we did it. We ripped the lockers out of the engine room. We slid them all over. We we put a table in. We put TV in. We put a computer in. We put a phone in, and and we made that our our area to where that's where where, where we live at. We have a, a radio room on the opposite side of the building that we used to be in. Nobody sits in it anymore. Yeah. All over, on the other side. Yeah. But it works out for communication. It works out for like you said. Drill night before we're going out, everybody's getting dressed. Whoever's in charge makes their announcements. They go through everything. We come back, gear off. You know, it has the chairs are in there and they, get, they pull their chairs around. They sit down. It's an environment, that, like you said, that we communicate, we talk, uh, cover the good stuff, the bad stuff, where we're going. And it's just an area for them to be a part of. And they said it was by accident. It was going to the ballpark that day for a, a you know, a safety, uh, highway safety seminar that it just clicked and said that you know we can do that and it's been successful besides i mean it said the hardest part when people walk in and says you know man you have carpeting in here and i said i know that's the hardest part of it it has to be a clean room and then that's you know that's the next thing lucky you know we go on jobs and and you know the guys know that their stuff has to be clean before yeah. it goes back in and you follow us people laugh you know we come back from a you know a highway run where our boots have are contaminated that yeah, and we and we post pictures of it in our on our on our social media where you see the boots on cones outside being scrubbed. I love it. Yeah, you know, they can't go back in. But you know what we gained from it was more more than anything because one, I, the, the gear is being maintained better. That's that's the, the number one thing because obviously if you don't clean your gear, I catch it a lot quicker. Um, when you walk in the room, you're like, oh my god, yeah, what, what's burning in here? But you know, yeah, you didn't clean your gear, get out of here. So we're maintaining that. But the the main part was to put the guys in the room as a team and explain to them that you know we are a team, bottom line, and this is where we're going to do everything out of. It, it, it worked for us. And, it, it, and it, go ahead, go ahead. And then the neat thing is, like I said, when we do get visitors, or I know when cover assignments, that's the first room everybody walks into. Everybody goes directly to to that room and, and they look around. So it, it was an accidental bonus for us that really works i freaking love it i absolutely yeah. love it because you you know a kid that grew up playing sports and you had locker room time before practice before games after practice after games that's where everything went down man and like for the fire service to have a place like that where your gear is hanging up your lids are up on the rack those are the scars of the fire ground those are the talking points you look up when you take a second and you you know, you have these memories and flashbacks of things that you've done over your career, but you're doing it when you're sitting down in front of in front of your stuff and everybody's yep. there. You come back from a kick-ass fire and everybody takes a knee, right? Their gear is left to clean outside. And you just sit down for a minute, catch your breath. You put your yep. sneakers back on, whatever it is, 
And like, you know, you just have a second and that's where you have those impromptu moments of camaraderie, compassion, shed a tear, have a laugh. It's all done right there. The amount of memories that are happening within those walls of your building, especially that room, man. I love yeah. the the idea of the locker room. I just I wish more people know that concept and be willing to try it. I think it would bolster bolster, you know, camaraderie and communication within the fire company. Yeah, it was an accident that that that, that worked and it, like you said Coming back three o'clock cool. in the morning, yeah, taking that the couple minutes to wind down to get tired to go back home to go to bed. It, it's been successful for us. I love it, Chief. Yeah, thank you. What a great conversation today. Very proud of what you've done, and I say that as a friend. You and I have gotten to know each other, um, and uh, I know how hard you work and how passionate you are about the Westville, New Jersey Fire Department but as well as your people and the community you serve. And it certainly shows in everything that you guys do, whether on the fire ground or back at the firehouse chief. Thanks for joining me today. What a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're always welcome here. And actually I think I'll be down that way on Friday. So I might be knocking on your door if you're in. I'll, I'll, I'll be here. Beautiful. Well, brother, thank you for joining me today. I truly appreciate it. Hang out right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you. Okay. Hang on. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio podcast. We want to hear from you. Podcast at nationalfireradio.com is the email. Send us an email. Tell us your thoughts, your ideas, the things you like and don't like. I got thick skin. Let it fly. And uh, like I always say when I close out the podcast, take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse, to the firehouse kitchen table and talk about it. Because as we talk about the job, we certainly make the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.